Father, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you that uh, you're a good God. Father, thank you for your presence that's here today. Father, we thank you that you have the great ability to uh, hold us. You have the great ability to uh, even walk with us through some of the darkest seasons of our life. And so, Lord, today we just thank you that your promise says that you will never leave us nor forsake us. So, Father, thanks for being here and thanks for just walking on this journey with us. And so, Father, uh, as we kind of shift gears this morning and open our hearts up to your word, uh, Father, we just come in faith this morning. We come, God, with great expectation Uh, God, that you desire to speak to us. Father, we thank you that you are a God that is alive. Father, we just we just don't sing about it. Lord, we believe that. Father, we thank you that you are alive and Lord, that you care about us and Lord, that you desire to speak to us. So today, uh, Father, Papa God, we ask that you would come and you would just speak to our hearts like only you can this morning. In Jesus name we pray. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your anointing in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Well, this morning I want to talk about something that uh, isn't really that uncommon for most people to struggle with. And uh, that, that's this word called fear. Can you say that with me? Can you say fear? Uh, listen, there's no doubt that if you and I are going to become all that God's destined for us to be, uh, then we are going to have to confront uh, fear, right? That if we're going to become all that God's destined for us to be, that we are going to have to confront fear if we're ever going to overcome it. It's not something that we can just kind of uh, leave it on the wayside, act like it uh, doesn't affect us. The bottom line is we're going to go where God wants us to know, uh, go. We're going to have to confront it if we're going to overcome it. So anyways, here's a uh, just a variety of fears that I think that a lot of people struggle with. And uh, I think if we... If we stopped and we kind of went around the room and, and we all got honest and vulnerable and, uh, you, you know, we would find out that um, that we all really struggle with different things. Right. But anyway, so here's a few things uh, that a lot of people struggle with. One is this. It's a fear of rejection. There's many people that also struggle with a fear of trusting, not only trusting people, but also trusting God. In fact, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I think over the years, if I ever find somebody that has a hard time trusting people, more than likely they have a hard time trusting God. Is that true? Uh, there's a lot of people that have a fear of not measuring up. Another way of saying that is this, is people think that they don't have what it takes. There's people who have a fear of change. There's people who have a fear of stepping out in faith to pursue their dreams or to pursue what God's put in their heart. Uh, there's even people that have a fear of authentic uh, deep, so what I'm talking about is kind of beyond surface level, just vulnerable relationships. There's people who have fear of relationships. There's even people who have a fear of people's opinions. Uh, in biblical terms, that would be called the fear of man. So there's people who are uh, a fear of being alone, and that's in this sense that, they, that there's this overwhelming thought that they always think, man, am I going to be alone for the rest of my life? And then there's those people who have people in their lives, but they struggle with a different kind of fear. It's called the fear of abandonment. In other words, in the back of their minds, they think, you know what, so-and-so left. Uh, you know, I, I realize that you're with me at this moment, but I just realized that one day uh, you're going to leave me too. Has anybody ever met somebody like that? And then uh, I think this is a really big one. It's not just uh, with men, but I think it's uh, a lot of men maybe struggle with this more so than women. But it's the fear of failure. Um, I think it's, it's this idea that that's this fear that we're going to let God down and that if we don't let God down or maybe we're going to let the other other people uh, down. Yes. Uh, some people have a fear of not having their needs met some. And once again, this is men too. a lot of times they have a fear of not being able to provide for their families. Sometimes people have a fear of not being a good enough friend. And uh, let me maybe say it this way, because I think the, the older I get and the, and the our group of friends as we've uh, gotten married and had kids and all that, I've been amazed to sit back and watch how many of, of our friends struggle with a fear if they're going to be a good mom or not, a fear if they're going to be a good dad or not. Uh, you know, some people have a fear if they're going to be a good spouse. In other words, uh, this this overriding thing. I actually struggled with this for years, wondering if I was going to be the kind of husband that my dad was. So and then there's sometimes, you know, and I'll be honest with you, I think I've I've definitely battled this and I think we can do this not just in ministry, but also in the workplace. Uh, it's a fear if we're going to be a good enough leader or not. Uh, and then there's people who have a fear that they're not going to find their purpose in life, that they, they're just afraid that they're going to kind of wander through life and never find their significance. And then there's a lot of good hearted, uh, good Christian people. They have a fear that they're going to miss the will of God for their lives. 
uh, that that's that's real. Right. So and then we even have those. And this is the last one. We even have a lot of people that have a fear of surrendering wholeheartedly to God's will for their lives. So, you know, when you take a, a list of those and maybe yours is on there, maybe it's not. Uh, but when you take that list, all of those things have one thing in common. They all come down to the unknowns of our lives. So, listen, it's true. It's just human nature that we tend to fear what we can't control. We fear what we can't see and we fear what we can't understand. Is that true? Listen, because we don't know or we can't control what is going to happen to us in the future or what's going to happen in a particular uh, circumstance or in a certain relationship, uh, we have a tendency to become unsettled and afraid. So it's kind of at that point when we become unsettled and afraid that fear really takes root in our heart and it begins to become a dominating factor in our life. And and here's what I mean by that, that it literally affects our decision-making process. It affects our outlook on life. You know what I'm talking about this morning. So, listen, if we allow it to, uh, faith will actually rob us of our confidence in who God is. Or fear, I'm sorry, the fear will actually rob us, sorry about that, fear will actually uh, rob us of our confidence in who God is. And it also rob us of, of who He is in us and who we are in Him. Is that true? All right, so before we talk this morning uh, about where these fears come from, let's first talk about where they don't come from. All right, so if you have your Bible this morning, uh, I'm going to go to a pretty familiar passage, uh, but turn to 1 John chapter 4. 1 John chapter 4. I know we have them on the screens, but li- listen, there's uh, really nothing like sending it in your own Bible. Amen? Be able to jot down some notes, anything God speaks to you, just kind of have it there. So 1 John chapter 4. So we're going to talk about where fear doesn't come from. And I think, you know, we all know the answer, but it's good to cover it. If you're there, say, oh, yeah. yeah. All right. Some of y'all are pumped. All right, here we go. So 1 John chapter 4, look at verse 18. I'm going to read one part of this verse. But it says this in verse 18. It says, there's no fear in what? There's no fear in love. Now, if you back it up 10 verses, look at 1 John chapter 4, verse 8. Notice what it says there. It says that God is love, that God is love. Therefore, if we go back to first John 418, we could read it like this, that there's no fear in God. So listen, so by these two verses, we can see that the fears that we struggle with that list or maybe what's not on that list. uh, But we see this is that those fears don't come from him. Is that true? Listen, remember, we may talk about this next week. I'm not sure. But uh, remember what First Timothy one seven says. It says that God has not given us a spirit of fear. He hasn't given it to us. That's right. So listen. So if these fears don't come from God, where do they come from? All right. So I think most of us know some immediate answers to this. Uh, but the first one's very simple. Obviously, they come from the enemy, right? They come from the devil. So the the, the enemy. Um, Man, he absolutely enjoys and he absolutely will do everything he can to try to plant thoughts of fear in your mind and in your heart. Is that true? The second one, and I think this is almost the more important one this morning, so I don't want you to hear it and just kind of breeze by it. I want you to let it stick and I want you to let it uh, almost uh, just serenade in you and go, okay, Lord, are you trying to tell me anything here? But the second one is this. First one was the devil. The second one, uh, second way that fear comes into our lives is through negative experiences in our past. Negative experiences in our past. You know, I've personally found out that it doesn't matter how old we get. Listen to this. Without God's intervention or without God's help, without God's healing in our lives, if you're taking notes, write this down, that our past experiences become the filter that all future possibilities will pass through. Let me say that again. Without God's intervention or God's help, our past experiences become the filter that all future possibilities, that all future possibilities will pass through. Let me say it one more time. That if we don't have God's help, God's intervention, God's healing, however you want to word it, our past experiences become the filter that all future possibilities will pass through. Here's basically what I mean. That if we know it or not, we inadvertently will interpret everything in our lives through those filters. It's, listen, that we, we, we will literally uh, filter every, every conversation, 
you know, every every look that somebody gives us, whatever, every circumstance, some way along along the lines, it will filter through our past experiences. And and if you know this or not, I'm sure most of you do. But but the devil has a great way of using our past experiences against us. True. He's good at it. All right. So what are some examples of the filters in our life? Okay. And, and listen, they're all going to be, once again, different for all of us. I don't want you to get stuck in what I'm saying. Open your heart and say, okay, Lord, what are you saying to me? But just a few things that kind of came to my mind. Here's some examples of filters in our life. Is maybe we have failed at something in the past. Because we've all failed, right? Maybe we failed at something in the past and we were hesitant to try it again. In other words, an opportunity, a possibility comes. But because of something that happened in the past, uh, we're hesitant, almost unwilling to walk through that door again. Yes? So, so listen, this may sound really silly because this isn't something major, but, but I remember being in elementary school and I, I got, uh, we, you know, we got taken to church occasionally when I would go to my, my dad's house. My parents were divorced and sometimes my mom, uh, my stepmom would drag us to church. And so anyways, we went to this Methodist church and, uh, that my cousins went to and all that. And then they had a Christmas play. And because, you know, Christmas plays, you know, they want the kids involved, right? And so, you know, we went to this church, you know, whatever, you know, maybe twice a month, something like that. But we got signed up for the Christmas play, and I got my little line, right? I had to, I I still remember, the lights were down dark, and I had to walk. (laughs) And I had to turn to face the crowd, and I had to give my line. The only problem was, is when it came showtime, uh, (laughs) like it went blank. And I think I mumbled something, and I messed it up, Right? So fast forward, then we had a school play. You know, once again, had to do the same thing, same location on the stage, too. Now, I think of it. Had to walk to the front left, boom, stand in front of all these parents. And I said my line, and I said it right, but I thought it messed up. And I remember going, ah, and everybody laughed at me. So then fast forward, now you're going to be a preacher? But I've already felt at that public speaking thing. I couldn't even get one line out, God. Are you with me? Now, listen, I know that's super silly, but we've all done that in some way. Yes. You know, kind of even to maybe fast forward in the story, I, you know, years later, I've saved, even preached, I don't know, probably hundreds of times. And people would ask me, hey, can you come preach in my church? I say, no, I'm good. Thanks. So appreciate the invitation. But in my mind, I went back to those failures. Are you following me? Yes. So, you know, maybe it's a negative effects of a failed marriage. Now, here's what I mean by this, because, li- listen, we, we, some of us have made mistakes. We're on a second marriage, okay, or a third, whatever it is, okay? Thank God for God's grace. But, but here's the thing, though, is, is a lot of times when we've had that negative experience, then what happens is, is you know, what, well, my first wife talked to me like that, and here's what happened. So then your second wife does this, or your current wife, right? And then you interpret it through that previous filter. Am I making sense? Or, or maybe like this, you know, whatever. Maybe this has happened to somebody. Maybe it hasn't. But, but if, if your first husband ran around on you, then you're probably not going to trust your second one. Unless Jesus heals something. Is that true? So, you, you know, maybe it's even this. You know, maybe you're, you know, you've been in a marriage for a long time, but there was a certain season in your life where, where y'all went through hell. Right. And there were certain things happened and you got wounded, you got hurt deeply. And now that you're 10 years later, you're still filtering stuff through that past mistake in that bad time. Happens, doesn't it? That was a good spot to say yes, because it does happen. All right. So listen, so maybe it's a past friendship that ended in a negative way and you're, and you're afraid to open up again, afraid to be vulnerable again. Uh, but re- really, here's, here's where the rubber really meets the road for all of us in the room is maybe it's something that happened when we were a kid. And that's the part that I think that I'm that I the older I get, the more um, real that becomes that when something happens to us as children, that when we get older, we still uh, filter it through that same thing. Maybe it's the way we were treated, maybe it's words spoken over us, whatever it was. And I've kind of been honest and told you all some of those things of my own story. Uh, but but there's things today at 37 years old, if I'm honest, you, you know, I could easily, you know, draw the line back to whatever when I was five or six or seven years old or eight years old and say, man, that's the reason I hear, that, hear it that way. That's the reason I view it that way. It's because of that negative past experience. Yes. And the enemy is so great at reminding me of those things. 
bottom line is, if anybody doesn't want to fulfill the will of God, it's him. And so he's going to do all that he can and all those negative things to keep us from moving forward. Yes? All right. So listen to what fear will actually do uh, in our lives. Look at back at 1 John 4.18. It says this there at the beginning. It says fear involves what? What's that word? Fear involves what? Look at there. Here we go. There is no love. I'm going to help you all out. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment. Somebody say torment. That word torment actually means suffering. Suffering. So listen, if we know it or not, fear causes us to suffer emotionally. Think about these words. Worry, anxiety, panic, stress. They all find their they're all rooted in that one word, fear. True? I'm having a freak out moment. Why am I freaking out? Because I'm scared out of my mind right now. Yes? Fear also causes us to suffer because it changes the way we live our lives. If, if you let fear take up root in your heart, listen, guys, it will suck uh, literally the quality and joy of life right out of you. Fear can also, and I want you to think about this one, but fear can also uh, make those around you suffer as well. Because of this reason. Because those people aren't getting the God-intended version of you. You understand that? They're, 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 they're basically, who you are, who you really are in Him is being robbed from you so much that who you are with your spouse, who you are with your children, who you are with your friends, who you are at work, they are not getting the best of you. Am I making sense to you? In fact, th- this week, I and I was reading it for a whole different reason, but... I was reading a story about, uh, actually, Miss Vicky let me borrow a book. And, uh, and so I was reading it, and it had to do with uh, basically a guy coming in and, and kind of working with teams, uh, top executives of businesses. And, and one of the stories that was in there, because what they do is they do this exercise, and the exercise they did this. In other words, with these, let me back up, give you a little bit more explanation. So they would, they would gather all these top executives of these really big-time businesses in the room, and they would say this, okay, here's the exercise we're going to do. Tell us your name, tell me how many siblings you have, and tell us your biggest challenge that you had as a kid. And so people would go through it, but what happened is when they got to that third question, like there was one, there was one guy that said this, when I was 12 years old, my brother was murdered. Well, no, I think he was eight. His brother was 12 and his brother was murdered. And it caused the way, you know, basically caused something to shut down in him. There was another person uh, that said that, that she grew up in a home with a three-star general and uh, she was a world-class pianist. And uh, but the problem was that she would do something really great. She'd perform and her father just thought it was his responsibility to bring her down a notch. So she never thought she was good enough. So now she's older, working this big time company and she refuses to even make eye contact at people. Uh, you know, she just kind of keeps her head down, never talks to anybody. And the reason is because she feels like she's not good enough. You, you know, so the older I get, I think um, the more grace I have for people. Because people are who they are today because of because of their past. Yes. It, it, listen, that, that they are who they are by a by the choices that they have made. And secondly, by the choices that were made for them. Right. Because we've all lived in lived in seasons of our life where we were at the mercy of someone else and they made choices for us. And a lot of times those choices were not God choices. Correct. And here we are as grown ups and we're suffering from those things. So anyway, so I want us to ask this morning, uh, I just want us to ask ourselves a few questions. And once again, I'm not going to answer these, but I want you to hopefully try to answer them in your heart. But first would be this is how has fear uh, caused you to change the way you live? How has fear caused you to change the way you live? How has it affected our past and our present relationships? How has it affected, and there's a lot of you guys that are in business in here, but how has it affected our approach in the way we lead our businesses? Does that make sense? How has it changed the way we approach our future? How has it caused us to view God and his will for our lives? What or who have we held on to longer than we should because of fear? What have we not stepped out into because of fear? See, here's the thing about fear. Fear has the ability to make us second-guess ourselves. Not only does fear have the ability to make us second-guess ourselves, it makes us more so second-guess others. What do they mean by that? What do you mean by that look? 
And so not only do we second guess ourselves in, in this hesitant world of not thinking, you know, that we, we can be good enough to do great things, but we second guess people and then we second guess God. Right. Because somewhere in us, and I don't know why it's in us, but when we when we deal with that much stuff, inadvertently, we're going to look to the creator and shake a finger at him, even though we say we don't do it. We really do it. So, listen, fear has the ability to keep us from going all in on what God has spoken in our hearts. So, okay, I got to know that's you, but I'm only going to go to a part where it's just kind of where I still feel safe. God doesn't call us to live in safe. Listen, fear has the ability, ability to paralyze us completely in our forward movement. Fear even has the ability to preoccupy our hearts and minds to the point that we will literally take our eyes off of what we know is truth. Fear has the ability to cause us, and I think a lot of us do this, but fear has the ability to cause us to get ahead of God and try to basically take things on our own, our own strength and our own power. We try to make it happen. We try to open doors. We try to close the deal. Uh, you, you know, we try to control and we try to change people. You, you, know, I'm a, you know, listen, obviously you guys know I was in youth ministry a long time, but I was amazed by how many young people and parents I would get into conversation with and the parent, basically the way they were interacting with their kid was so fear-based. And the reason, their fear, the reason it was so fear-based is because of a mistake that they either made in the past or something that happened to them. And now out of fear, they were trying to control their child. Am I making sense? Yes? So, but, but we do that. A lot of times, um, you know, we try to control our spouse. Um, you know, we try to control our friends because there's something about us, once again, that, that we, don't, we, we don't like being out of control. And if you're a person here today that doesn't like being out of control, really what that shows is that you don't know how to trust God. Truth? Because when you trust Him, you just go, okay. You know, what? I, 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 you know for, me, for me and my wife, okay, obviously, we, you know, we're growing just like everybody else, right? I may have an assignment, but we're still human, <laughs> we still got the same Jesus working in us that's working in y'all, okay? Got the same Holy Spirit that rebukes me, that rebukes you, all right? So, but, but the, you know, the thing is this, is I know at the end of the day, guess what? My wife loves God enough that, you know what, that I, I don't need to control her because she's going to obey God. She's going to love Him and do what she thinks is best. I don't have to worry about her. Are y'all following me? So, you, you know, but, you know, one of my prayers was this. Uh, before I got before I ever met Jen was this is God. I, I want a wife that loves you more than she'll ever love me because I knew that if she would love God more than she ever loved me, I wouldn't have to worry about all those things. Yes. All right. So maybe a better way to put this is this is the word the word fear. If we actually go back to that that uh, verse there in first John four eighteen, but where it says there is no fear. The word fear there is actually where we get our English word phobia from. Or phobia, you know, a lot of people, whatever, it's uh, whatever. There's all kinds of phobia. There's people that are afraid of hot dogs. There's people that are afraid of grills. There's people that are afraid of grass. I mean, you, you know, truth. I mean, it's clinically proven. People are afraid of some crazy things, all right? So uh, it's not just, you know, uh, let, let me throw this out there. Just kind of kind of give a, an interesting thought. Did, did you guys know that scientists have proved that in our DNA, we are actually wired with two fears? And the two fears are this. It's the fear of falling and the fear of loud noises. As I sling my sweater. Of loud noises. Have you ever noticed? Have you ever? Listen, obviously I got, I got a multitude of kids at home. So, you, you know, when, you know, they're always afraid. You know, you know, like, let's say this way. I'll put Jude up on the counter. I'll say, jump to me. He, he will not. He's three years old. He will not do it. He's so scared. He kind of falls, but it's afraid because it's wired in there. And, and, you know, I can't tell you how many times something, you know, drops or something in the house, boom, something loud hits, and the baby cries because it scared them. So the reason God put those things in us is for our protection. But if it's not those two things, guess what? It's not from God. Yes? So here's this word fear. means phobia, but it means this in the Greek language. It means that which causes flight. That which causes flight. It also means this. That which causes us to run away, to flee, or to escape. To run away, to flee, to escape. So, you know, kind of why I was doing this, I was, you know, kind of just tried to think back on my own journey with God over the last almost 20 years. And just went, you know, how many, how many things, how many relationships, how many opportunities have I uh, personally ran away from due to fear and insecurities in my life? 
There's a lot. You, you know, one thing is relationally, you know, you meet, you meet somebody, especially when they really walk with God. You know, I'm talking, about, I'm talking about that kind of person. Maybe you've met them, maybe you haven't. But you hear they are coming to town or they are coming over. And you excuse yourself for a minute and you go somewhere and say, Jesus, if there is anything in my life, God, I ask you to please forgive me because, Lord, I do not want them seeing this. I have so prayed that prayer. <laughs> okay. But, you know, because, you know, there's just certain men that I know. It's like they got those crazy eyes. They look at you and they and they read right through you. Anybody ever met somebody like that? Yes. You know who I'm talking about. So but it's been it's been people that even this, if it's someone that I know that they're going to be honest with me about me and they're going to get my junk and hold me accountable then out of insecurity and fear, I've kind of said, okay, let me kind of, let me kind of distance myself from that person. But the problem is, is really they were a God sent to me because God was trying to make me the better version of who he created me to be. Yes? Amen. All right. So the question is, is this, is basically what or who are you running away from this morning because of fear? All right, so let's shift gears a little bit. Are you all with me? All right, if you have your Bible, go and turn to Mark chapter 4. We're going to sit there for a second. Mark chapter 4. I want us to see one of the main thoughts that the devil uses to put fear in our hearts. And this is probably the main area that I really want to, really want to sit on today. If, there, if there's anything I want you to walk away from, it's this today, okay? It says this in verse 35. Mark four thirty-five. We're going to read through verse 40. All right. It says this. Verse 35. It says, On the same day when evening had come, he, talking about Jesus, said to them, Let us cross over. Somebody say cross over. Let us cross over to the other side. So here's Jesus, 100% God, 100% man, but God in the flesh. He's telling the disciples, Hey, boys, let's cross over. In other words, in essence, the way I want us to view that this morning is that he gave them a promise. He gave them a promise, we're going to cross to the other side. Verse 36 says, Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were also with him. Verse 37, here we go. It says, And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat, so that it was already filling. When you look at the Greek language, it gives a picture. It gives this picture. Please get this. That there's a demonic force that's literally hurling the wind at their boat. So what you got to see today is this is not some average storm that's happening. Okay, these guys are fishermen. They've been in plenty of storms, right? Right? So, so they recognize, man, that something is different about this one because obviously we know the story. They're afraid. But once again, there's this demonic attack going on. The devil is literally trying to create a circumstance for fear to grip their hearts. Right. Verse 38 says this. It says, but he, Jesus, was in the stern asleep on a pillow, says, and they woke him and said to him, here's how the devil works. Here's our point. They said this teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Do you not care that we are perishing? Folks, if we know it or not, fear is ultimately rooted in the thought that God doesn't care about us. Come on, let that sink in. That every fear that we go down that list, that it is ultimately rooted, once again, if we like it or not, is rooted in the truth that God doesn't care about us. In other words, that's what we, the devil wants us to believe. So I want you to notice what the disciples said there. They said, do you not care that we are dying? So let me kind of maybe take a little rabbit trail. It might make sense. Maybe it won't. But in essence, at the top, let us cross over to the other side. Do you not care that we are dying? See, there's promises that God's put in our heart. Things that there's dreams that literally have kept us awake at night that we know that are from him. There's hopes, there's aspirations that we have. But at the end of the day, because we're struggling with our fears, we somehow feel like God doesn't care and he doesn't want us to meet those things and fulfill them. Am I making any sense to you? Yes. See, the word care actually in our language means this. It means the necessary provision for someone's well-being. The necessary provision for someone's well-being, for their welfare, and for their protection. And that's what the disciples were telling Jesus. Jesus, do you not care about our well-being? 
Jesus, will you not protect us? See, this is, you know, this is really old, but the devil uh, would have us believe that God isn't good. I keep telling you guys this um, because I, because I want, in fact, I feel like if there's anything today, I feel like the, the Lord was really like, Quentin, I want you to tell them that I, that I care about them, that I love them, that I am good. So, but the devil's trying to come. He's trying to tell us once again, you know, maybe we're aware of it, maybe we're not, but, but he's trying to get us to believe that God isn't good. He, he's trying to, um, get us to believe that God's promises aren't for us. I mean, how many times, if we're honest, have we sat there and said, you know what? I hear that, Pastor, but, but that's for that guy over there. That's not for me. True? Well, maybe healing's for them, but it certainly isn't for me. Am I talking to somebody this morning? Listen, the devil wants us to think that God isn't trustworthy, that he isn't faithful, that he doesn't have our best in mind, that he isn't personal, that he doesn't speak to us, that he doesn't know or care about. Get this, every detail of our lives, big and small, he cares. Amen? He wants us to think that God doesn't have a plan for our life, that he really doesn't want to perfect those things that concern us or bring completion or bring them to an end. He wants us to really believe that God doesn't want us to be successful. See, see, the idea here is that is that the devil almost wants us to think that that God is angry with us and that he is uh, doing his best uh, to drag us through the mud, beat us down and cause us to struggle in life. You know, when I was reading, when I was preparing this, I couldn't help but to think, man, isn't that what religion teaches? See, that's and that's why when Jesus stepped on the scene, why he had such issues with the Pharisees, because it was so opposed to the father's heart. And all those things we read, in essence, I'm telling you, I've almost heard those things in church growing up. Yeah. And it's just this legalistic approach, man, that, that literally it's like you, you don't you would think that God just hates you. Yes. And he's just mad at you. And listen, the, the goal, the goal, I'm all about coming to church and being challenged, but I'm not about leaving church feeling like, you know, you're crap. You know, that you're just worse than what you when you came in, that, you know, you're you're an awful sinner. You know, the bottom line is we're all saints. We're not sinners. True. All right. So listen, so I want to remind you today of what God's word, God's word tells us in first Peter five, seven. I love this verse. First Peter five, seven. It's up on the screen. So let's, let's go for time's sake. But it says this. It says casting all your care or all your anxiety or all your fear upon him for he cares for you. The word care there in the actually in the Greek language means this. It means that he is interested in you. It actually means this, that you matter to him. That's so awesome that God is so personal to think for a minute he is interested in you. You, you, you know, listen, I, I think I think with me, look, I grew up with four brothers. When you have four brothers, you don't get much individual time. True. And I can't tell you how many times my father decided to leave the house and to take the two older ones. And he always left me behind with a younger brother who couldn't do things. I was in this gap. I was in between three years older than me and four years younger than me. And so they would go and they would have fun because my dad would do things that he didn't want. He, I guess he was afraid somebody was going to tell on him. So he would go and he would do his thing and he would leave me. And I can't tell you how many times I was sitting there with my little brother who can't do squat. Right. <laughs> And, and, and so what happened was, is, is I just felt like if it was fair or not fair, that he wasn't really that interested in me. Yes. And so then when you come into the kingdom, you think, man, God's really not that interested in me either. That super Christian over there, that person that's super saved, he's really interested in them. But he's not that interested in me. And I really don't matter that much to him. Yes. So watch this. The truth is, guys, for all of us, God cares deeply deeply about each one of us. In fact, let, let me even let me even show you something. And let me actually show you this real fast. Um, sitting there reading that casting all your care upon him, the word care there uh, that actually means in the Greek, it means that uh, things that divide things that divide your mind. So. So when we when we're sitting here and we're looking at all these fears that that the devil's throwing at us, trying to get us to believe, what's the goal? He wants it to. His goal is for it to divide our mind. 
In other words, that we are literally sitting on the fence and we're unsure if God thinks this or if God thinks that. And see, because here's, here's really the, the goal here. It says this in James, and, and this is powerful. But it says in verse 8, in James chapter 1, it says, He who, it says, he is a double-minded man, unstable in all of his ways. That's the goal. That the devil realizes that if he can get your mind divided, if he can get you to become a double-minded man or a double-minded woman, then you will be unstable in all your ways. And an unstable person will never fulfill the will of God on their lives. In fact, even look what it, you know, what it, well, you just listen, what it says here. It even says that a, undiv- a double-minded man, that their own prayers won't even be answered. So if he can rob you of your prayers, he's got you. Yes? So, you know, you know, so think about how many times that we went to the prayer closet and, and just literally it's like talk out of two sides of our mouth. We're double minded, you know, and that's why it's so key. What does the word say? Can't stress enough. We got to be people of the word. Amen. So, in fact, listen to this. Just just listen. Keep your finger there. We're coming back to uh, that scripture there in Mark, uh, Mark four. But listen to what Jesus says about you in in Matthew 10, this verses 29 and 31. It says, are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin and not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will? Key part, verse 30 says, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. And then verse 31, do not fear. Why? Why? It says, therefore, because you are of more value than many sparrows. Why do we not fear? Because we know God values us. Amen. See, the point that Jesus is trying to bring here, he's trying to bring these people's attention to a sparrow because it's well known in their day that that was the cheapest item that was sold for food in the marketplace. If you can imagine this, it is the it is basically their version of the ramen noodle. Okay. (laughs) I, I don't know about you, but that got me through uh, ministry school. Amen. So um, ramen noodles. Listen, a dollar gets you 10 meals. All right. So but that's what Jesus so in Jesus essence. Jesus is, is giving them the equivalent of a pack of ramen noodles. And he's sitting here saying, folks, if I care about that, how much more does the father care about his children? Yeah. But, but think about how many times we forget that every day. So, look, all right, so let's go back to Mark. I want, to see how Je- I want you to see how Jesus responded to his disciples. Verse 39 says, then he arose and he rebuked the wind or he, re- he rebuked the demonic influence behind it all. And he said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Notice he rebuked the wind because that was where the demonic was coming from. And then he just spoke to the sea, right? He said to the sea, peace be still. So it says, and the wind ceased and there was a great calm. In verse 40, here's our key verse. It says, but he said to them, why are you so fearful? And hear the father ask you that this morning. Why are you so fearful? We get in there. Why are you so fearful? And then he says this. How is it that you have no faith? How is it that you have no faith? So Jesus is not only shown the opposite of fear, which is faith, but he's also shown them how to overcome fear. It's faith. Yes. It's faith in his character. It's faith in his promises. It's faith in his word. That's right. Listen, it's important that we understand that if we're going to confront and overcome the fear that we struggle with, then we need to know that God's kingdom is a kingdom of faith. Amen. We need to know that God's kingdom operates and flows from a position of faith. Come on, think about this this morning. Are we not saved by faith? They just said it. Do we not pray by faith? Do we not worship by faith? Do we not give by faith? Do we not know our, our identity in Christ by faith? Do we not know who God is by faith? Even let's go this route. Do we not all believe that we're going to heaven one day because of faith? The list goes on and on and on and on. In fact, the Bible tells us this in Habakkuk 2.4. I love this verse. It says that the just live, live, live by faith. That word there means live continuously. 
not moments, not pockets, not seasons, continuously. In fact, the idea behind that word live is to live and breathe by faith. So literally, God is saying that you can't even take a breath of air without faith. Yes? Even think about this. And, you know, Jen, Jen said this last night kind of jokingly. But, but all of you sat down this morning in faith. You sat down believing that chair was going to hold you. You know? Somebody in here this morning might have, but most of us probably went to our car this morning and turned that thing and knew it was going to crank. We never thought, oh, I hope the car cranks this morning. We just knew, let's roll. Right? Yes? So it was faith. We, we literally, we, we are operating in it uh, every moment. Right? Some of you guys got stretching your faith. Okay, anyways, just a joke. All right, here we go. Please cry. I got a lot more like that, by the way. Literally, I have a lot more like that. That thing has caused me to pray in the Spirit more than anything in this life. I've literally laid my head on that thing, on that thing, steering wheel. Jesus. Father, I command this thing to start. Y'all laughing, but listen, that, that John Deere was given to me, and it's about 23 years old, and that riding is a whole lot better than pushing. The only problem is, is, you know, I, I, you know, when I moved here, we moved here, uh, Pastor Brian actually brought a, a trailer for us, uh, kind of up to kind of help us with, with moving so we didn't have to pack it all in the big truck. The only problem I have is, is when that lawnmower was unloaded at his house, it stayed at his house. He never brought that thing to my house. But they did use it. <laughs> it's all right. Even the neighbor gets to use it. How, how that's bad, isn't it? Anyways, whatever. All right. It's good. I'm glad. We're blessing them in Jesus' name. All right. All right. So anyways, so so give you a little thought here and we gotta land this thing. But but listen, fear you know, Jen said this last night, but it's true, and we've probably all heard it. But fear is nothing more uh than believing a lie. And and it takes and you know, I've heard her say it many, many times, but it takes just as much faith to believe a lie as it does to believe the truth. That's accurate, folks. All right, so let's let's transition here a little bit and let's close this. We're going to get our lead day. But at the beginning of the sermon, I, I gave you guys a list of, of fears that we can potentially struggle with. And, and I said that those fears have one thing in common. They're all they're all really rooted in, in what's the unknowns of our lives. So with that in mind, I want you to hear a verse in Hebrews 11. 1. It, it says this, and I'm reading out the New Living Translation, so it's going to be a little different. But it says, faith is the confidence of what we hope for. Now, I want to stop right there just for a second, because for some reason we think hope is is wishing for something. That's not biblical hope. We don't wish for anything as believers. The word hope there is we have an eager anticipation of what's to come. In other words, it's rooted in the word and we know it. We just it just hasn't manifested yet. It hasn't revealed itself. It hasn't came to pass yet. So that's what we hope in. Okay, it's it's like this. Um, You know, the bottom line is believers you know, there's something, I'll say it this way, there's something so different about going to a funeral of someone who was saved and who knew Jesus and someone who didn't know Jesus. Because when you know someone that knows Jesus, the hope is, the hope of glory, right, which is in Christ Jesus, is that they are in your future, not in your past. Right? And you're going to see them one day. It's a promise that we hold on to. It's that eager anticipation of what is to come. Right? Hope is something that gives life. All right? So watch this. So faith is a confidence. That we uh, that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about the things we can not see. So here's the fear of the unknown. But yet here's faith that's really for the unknown. Yes. Amen. So listen, in this room, none of us know what tomorrow may bring. Is that true? We don't know about our future. We, we, you know, listen, you know, Jesus just he even flat out said, look, don't say you're going to do this tomorrow because you don't know what tomorrow holds. Right. So I may have a plan that I'm coming to work tomorrow, but I really don't know what's happening tomorrow. I don't know who's going to call. I don't know. I don't know anything. Right. There's certain, once again, it's what we can't control. So we don't know our future and we don't know how every circumstance, we don't know how every relationship is going to turn out. But, folks, here's what we do know. And here's the hope this morning is we do we do know who God is. We know who he is. Amen. Listen, we, we know his heart. We know his character. Uh, we, we know that he cares for us. We know that he loves us. And it's in all those truths 
not fairy tales, but those truths, we have our faith. We place our faith in those truths, right? At the end of the day, once again, a lie comes and I rebuke it. Why? Because I got a good daddy. Devil, shut up. Yes? So let's bring this full circle really quick, okay? Because here's Jesus saying, okay, you overcome uh, fear by faith. But here's the key part, okay? It says in Galatians 5, 6, I love this verse. It says that faith works or faith operates how? By love. Faith works by love. See, let, let, me, let me maybe give you um, a roundabout example to kind of show you something here. And this may be a little off, but whatever. Is, is this, is, you, you know, we, we have a movement in our nation uh, that has a lot of truths in it. It's, it was called the faith movement, the word of faith movement. And I, and I believe a lot of what they preach. <coughs> Jesus talked a lot about what you, uh, you will have what you say. There, there, there's power in confessing the word. It, it's, a, it's a principle that we have the, the ability to speak life and death. All those things are true. But where that movement fell in the ditch was, is people started to operate from their own faith for themselves and what they could get. It became all about, uh, about materialism for them, right? But the problem was, is when faith operates by love, you work your faith for the kingdom and you work your faith for other people. Right. And then there's that part in the middle that guess what? You have a promise. God's going to take care of you because he's good. Yes. Does that make sense? But but the motivation of our faith in all things has to be love. And I love the fact there that faith works or faith operates for the reason of or by love. The word love there is not an areos love, which is an erotic love. It's not phileo love, which is a brother love. It is agape, which is the God kind of love, the unconditional love. So faith works by God's love. Amen. So, once again, full circle. Here we go. Look back at 1 John 4.18. Good job. It says, there is no fear in agape. But perfect agape casts out fear. Because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made or been mature, has not been made perfect in agape. See, see the, the, the thing here that's going to really... Yes, we talk about faith, but once again, faith works by love. So at the end of the day, it's the love of God that allows us to overcome fear. Am I making sense? I hope I'm explaining that well enough. But, but, but it's, once again, perfect love casts out or literally throws aside fear. And the reason is really rooted in this, and this is so simple. But it's the fact that God loves me. That he loves me with agape once again, agape is an unconditional love. And that's so amazing because truth is, and we're surrounded in this room by people who love us conditionally. Yes? It's, it's, it's no different than, uh, than watch this. Okay, I'll, I'll talk to you New Englanders really fast, okay? How many of you guys love some Bill Belichick two weeks ago? How many of you guys love the kicker? Two weeks ago. Is, am I talking to you? Y'all don't watch football. New England didn't win. All right, so here we go. Good job. I did too. And so, so here's the thing. We love Brady. I think it's so, listen, I think it's so funny. So Brady is, you know, the, what they call the GOAT greatest of all time. Right? He's the greatest of all time two weeks ago. They lose a game because his offense line can't block. Okay. And he gets smashed and hammered. And now the, all the new media people are saying this. It's time for the Patriots to have a new successor for Brady. What's the new plan? We need a new quarterback. But listen, that, that is a great example of, uncondition, of, of conditional love. Yes? That, that today, because you did it right, I love you. But tomorrow, you know, you just didn't really meet my standard. I'm not sure if I love you or not. But listen, God's not like that. God doesn't place conditions on his love. He doesn't say, you know what, if you if you act good enough, if you do good enough, if you talk good enough, if you smell good enough, if you are you following me, then I'll love you. (laughs) I wasn't telling anybody anything. So so at the end of the day, listen, listen, he just loves you. I I love. Remember what we read there in first John four, eight. God is he doesn't have it. He is. Love. It's his, it's his very nature. It's his very being. 
So how are you and I going to overcome all those fears? When that fear comes, folks, we need to go get on our face and say, God, watch this. This is truth. Say, God, your word says this about me. Yes. You, you know, there, there's a verse. In fact, you can um, go ahead and stand to your feet. There's a verse that I think has, has walked me through some of the toughest times in my life. And it's, and it's this verse. It's Isaiah. Y'all hang with me, okay? Isaiah 41, 9 and 10. It says this. Y'all listen to this. Listen to the Father's heart. Are y'all with me? Am I losing y'all? It says this. It says, fear not, for I am with you. It says, do not be dismayed, for I am your God. And it says, I will strengthen you and uphold you with my righteous right hand. Strength and help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. But the top there, do not fear, for I am with you. That's, that's Papa. That's Daddy. Saying, look, I got you, son. I'm with you. I got you, daughter. I'm with you. Yes? Do not be dismayed, for I'm your God. In other words, he's saying this. He's saying that I have come into covenant with you. I have joined myself to you. Look, I am with you. I'm greater, right? Yes? So this morning, there's a lot of hope in that. So, so here's, maybe let me close with this final thought. Here's what I would encourage us all to do today, okay? Wave your hand at me if you know you got a fear in your life. All right. So, me too, all right? So here's what I'm going to encourage us to do today, okay? I'm going to encourage us to um, approach that fear with courage and go find um, a scripture or several scriptures that counteract that lie. Yes? Are you following me? And what happens is, is once again, we begin to pray those scriptures over our lives, begin to speak those things over our lives. And what happens is, is sooner or later, your faith will get so built up that it will suffocate fear out of your life in that area. That's the goal, right? So, so in this sense, it, it's, it's this. God can't do, you for, do it for you. He's already done all that he can. But you're going to have to meet him and do it his way. But let me give you this, this last final thought. Can you imagine, please, please, if you haven't heard anything, hear this. Can you imagine what your life would look like if you didn't live from a position of fear? How different would it be? Yes? Yes? Yes. All right. All right. Let's close our eyes. Kim, do you mind coming, please? Thank you. Well, I just want to take a moment with him. We're not going to force anything. Just, just a moment. Give you an opportunity to talk to him. Say this to me. Say, Father, I come to you this morning. I acknowledge that I have had faith in that lie. So, Father, I ask you this morning that you would give me a piece of your heart for me in that area. Let me see what the truth is and let me have faith in that. Father, I ask you to help me to have more faith in your truth than I had in that lie. Holy Spirit, we just welcome you and invite you to speak to every one of our hearts. We invite you to come with your peace. We invite you to come with your truth. Come on, some of us in this room have never even told anyone what that fear is. What we don't know is they've seen it, but we've never confessed it. We never just came out and said, look, man, I fear this. Something I've learned a long time ago is that secrets lose their power when they're confronted. As long as we keep them hidden, they still have power over us. So in this moment, it's you and him. I'm not going to tell you to go tell your fears to your neighbor. But just release it to God and be honest. Be honest. Father, I ask you this morning, and as only you can, will you come and bring healing in those areas? Come on, Lord. There's, 
there's people that are like me in this room. God, they can trace it back to when even they were kids. Father, we ask, God, that those words that were spoken, God, that they'd be broken now. In Jesus' name. Come on, Lord. That chain that we've carried for so long, Lord, let it be broken. Father, I'm not asking you today to take a link off of it. I'm asking you to remove it. Come on, Father, we expose those lies. God, and we choose to believe your truth. God, we know that you're good, that you are good, that you care, that you care, that you care, that you care. Father, I thank you this morning that you are interested in us and, God, that we matter to you. God, literally every one of us. And, Lord, I break that lie that says that, that you care about the person three rows from us more than you care for us. God, you care for us. So just, Lord, today I just thank you. That which has hindered, that which has been an obstacle, a roadblock, that which has kept us from enjoying the life that you designed us to live, God, that's kept us from enjoying our families, enjoying our spouses, enjoying our kids. God, all those things that have stopped us from living to life to the fullest, Lord, we pray that all those things would be removed so we can just enjoy you. Father, even if there's something that our spouse did years ago, and God, we keep filtering it through that, Father, we choose today to release them. God, in the same way that you've forgiven us, we forgive them. And Father, we refuse to uh, allow that to become a filter in our life that we, that we literally uh, receive every bit of information from them through. Lord, we thank you, God, that there's uh, literally today's a new day. Today's a new day. God, we thank you that your mercies never fail. That your compassions are new every morning. So, Father, we release them so we can be free. And get that, folks. We release them. God, even our own fathers, our own mothers, cut our brothers and sisters. God, friends that that uh, even like David said, he said, even if, you know, if it was an enemy, I would understand. But you sat at my table. You sat at my table. You ate with me. We broke bread. We had covenant with one another. Father, I pray today that we would release them, that we would forgive them so that we could be free. Thank you, Holy One. Thank you, Holy One. This may sound a little different, but Lord, even those family members that have passed away, God, if we're honest, we got angry with them because they left us. Father, we release that today to you in Jesus' name. We release it. We release it. We release them. Lord, we don't hold anything against them. We release them today. Release them into your hands. Jesus. Come on, Lord, I ask God that you would replace that anger with your love. Hmm. Come on, God, reach down in our hearts this morning and snatch out what is not of you and fill it with what is of you. Thank you, God. Come on, God. Last thing, Father, I I just ask, God, for all of us in this room, God, give us a revelation. I know we prayed it last week, but God, I just feel so impressed to pray it again. God, give us a revelation of who you are as Daddy God. Come on, Lord, let us have just that intimate. Just let us know that you're safe. You're a safe place. You're our refuge. God, let us know what it's like to really sit in your lap. Just feel the Father's embrace. Let us feel your embrace, Lord. Let us live from that spot of your embrace, of your goodness, of your love, of your acceptance, of your approval, of your value. Father, we thank you, God, that you love us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We're going to do this this morning. I know it's a little different. But if anybody wants to come up here... Miss Kim's going to play. And if you want to come and just kind of spend a little time at the altar and pray and work things out. Because the truth is, is you've got to do some business with Jesus. And, uh, you know, listen, we want to be a church where people feel comfortable about coming and being with God. Amen. And not be embarrassed, not feel awkward, something's wrong with them. Um, so if you want to come here and you want to be with him, if you want prayer, just come down front. And uh, anyway, so we'll pray for you.
and we'll go from there. Uh, if not, um, you know, I just ask that y'all respect everybody that comes down and, um, you know, just kind of talk quietly. Amen. Bless you guys.